You're going to ask me or am I going to ask you? I thought you were asking me, but I can ask you. I'll ask you one and you ask me one. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, have you ever felt like God, um, that when you've answered God's call, have you ever felt like it wasn't what you were thinking and it became pretty hard? Oh, goodness. Yeah. I, uh, I went to college and I got my call into youth ministry. Um, about a month into college, I'm sitting in chapel. And I went to Asbury University um, in Wilmore, Kentucky. And um, sitting in chapel, and the person that was speaking that morning simply said, high school kids need Jesus. And I was the only one that ran down at that altar that morning. And they kept trying to do the music. I'm sure it was some type of hymn, but it was funny because they were waiting for other people. I'm like, I'm just the only one. Just keep, go to class, everybody. Let me have time with the Lord here. But so I pursued that, and I continued to walk in that. And then when I had my exit interview with the, children, or with the uh, Christian Ministries uh, professors, I said, I'm not supposed to go into youth ministry right away. Okay, that was fine. I was good with that because then life got really crazy after that. I was newly married. Um, we were moving out of my in-laws' basement. Um, you know, we were doing, you know, making some changes and everything like that. And life got really weird. And then I had to start working in other places. And then it started to become even harder when I would apply for ministry positions. Now, mind you, I was volunteering in these in places, but. When I would apply, they wouldn't accept me. And I thought, well, what's wrong with me? I later realized, as I've gone through a lot more healing and training and, and things, that I wasn't ready for that yet. I mean, you know, I really wasn't ready for that yet. And it was really hard to say, okay, God, I will wait. And in a, I'm sort of in that same season right now, as you know, too, in we're in a place of waiting. Okay, God, what do you want? And, and I'm thankful for that, but it's really hard when you just want to keep going and keep doing that. You know, it's one of the hardest ways when it's not easy for me. I, I'm okay when God says, go. Mm-hmm. I'm really okay with that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sort of okay when God says no, <laughs> although I want to know why. Yeah. But that weight thing, it stinks. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's, it's hard. I mean, as I was listening to you, I'm, I was thinking back to when I was 16. Mm-hmm. I really felt God was calling me to be a pastor. And every avenue that I tried to walk, um, doors slammed. I, I actually convinced my parents to bring me to Chattanooga to look at a school, a Bible college. And we went down to South Carolina to look at a Bible college. And, and none of those worked. And I ended up in healthcare, and as my first job is what it seemed like. But then as I went through that training, shortly before I graduated, my dad died. And then four years later, my mom died. And I realized that God did have a plan for my life. And it was a plan that needed to be completed, but it needed to be completed in God's time. That journey wasn't easy. Yeah. But uh, as I look back, I actually see my 12 years in healthcare as God's call in my life and the way that God used me to, to minister to people in just amazing ways. And then I became a pastor. Go figure. Mm-hmm. In God's time. Yes. And now doing what I do with men's ministry. So yeah, I, yeah. I thought you were telling my story for a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. So what yeah. do you do? How are you when that happens? What do you do to get out of that? You know? <laughs> uh, I whine. <laughs> You weren't expecting that, were you? It wasn't, but I'm praying for Mark more now. (laughs) (laughs) I whine, I get upset, I complain, and I'm thankful that God takes it. And then he says, why don't you be quiet for a second and let me tell you what's going on. And so during the 20 years between 
the time I graduated, well, it was about 20 years, by the time I graduated college to the time where I became director of Next Generation and renewal events at ARM, um, you know, I had many opportunities. I volunteered. I did things like that. But, yeah, I whined. But then it was after, it was when the Lord was saying, let me take you through this process first. Let's work on this healing. You know, I, I, I'm just going to throw this out there for a second. When, I, when it took us five and a half years to conceive my daughter, Bella, you know, I wondered why, and I thought I could be a mom and a lot younger. And I realized that God purposefully waited because he knew I was not ready at 25 years old to have a child. He knew I was not ready at 30 years old. But at 32, I was ready. And sometimes I still wonder if I'm ready to be a mom, especially now at 12, going on 30. Anyway, <laughs> and it's hard, but it's pressing into what the Holy Spirit wants me to do and wants me to walk through in healing. And once I come on the other side of that, oh my goodness, it's so sweet. So a question and I'll make one statement. You're that old? No, I'm just joking. Um. Yes, I am. <laughs> but Brian's older. <laughs> Um, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the easiest ways for me, because I need I a lot of times in my journey I need an immediate fix mm-hmm. just to keep me focused. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe I'm going to tell you this, and you need to keep the absolute straight face. But I have a good friend of mine who has since passed um, colored a picture for me. It's a picture of a duck, and it sits on my mirror, and it says. God has a plan. Today is going to be an amazing day. Go live in God's plan. And I see that every morning when I get up. And I'm reminded. I don't always live in it, but I I always see it. So, thank you for sharing with us today. You're welcome. God truly is in the midst of all of our plans, in the midst of all of our all of our lives, and God calls us to follow Him. Follow me seems to seems to be uh, a, an easy thing, or or we want to believe that it's an easy thing. Um, follow me means you know simply go. But sometimes it's not always that easy. So let's get to Scripture real quick, and let's take a peek at what the Bible says in our Scripture readings today. So in Mark, chapter 1, beginning with verse 21. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Verse 25, Jesus said, Be quiet! Come out of him! The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out with a shriek. The people were all amazed that they, that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, with verse, beginning again with verse 1, Now about food sacrifices to idols... We know that we all possess knowledge. But knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Let me say that again. Knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think that they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food, sacrifice to idols. We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. 
So even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things come and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. So people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat, that when they eat sacrificial food, that they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god. And since their consequence is weak, excuse me, since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat, and no better if we do. Be careful, verse 9, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block for the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you, with all of your knowledge eating in the temple, in the idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin... I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So during this sermon series, we've been discussing what it means to be followers of Christ. We, it occurred to me, however, that maybe we have not quite defined what it meant when Jesus said, follow me. So I want to play with that for just a second. The dictionary defines the word kind of phrase to follow as to go or come after a person or thing proceeding ahead, to move or travel behind. Think about that for a second. To follow means that we are called to have our eyes on something. Okay? Something. And to follow that thing, whatever it is, to a destination. Now, as a Christian, I acclaim, I proclaim, I um, infer by my name, Christian, that I am following who? Christ. But that's not always easy. But the good news is, is that Jesus was and is calling people to follow him and to be his disciple or to be his student. The reality is, though, that it's not always as easy as it seems. In Mark chapter 1, verse 24, a person asked Jesus, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Jesus was in the temple. Jesus was teaching. Jesus was living out His ministry among the people. And, and things were good. And then suddenly the heckler comes. You ever been in that situation? Where you really felt you know, God was, was moving in such a miraculous way. And then suddenly something happened or somebody happened or, or, or whatever. And, and, and the, 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 the environment, the, the ethos of that place, the, the, the spirit that seemed to be there seemed to disappear. We, we have two choices. We can either continue to minister and live in the moment that God has given us and called us to be in, or we can take our eyes off of Christ 
We put our eyes on the thing that's distracted us. Now, I'm going to totally admit to you, I got ADD. Okay? It's not horrible, but it's, it's there, and I know when it hits. I can be totally focused, and something happens over here, and I'm like, ooh, that's cool. <laughs> and a friend of mine will always look at me and go, squirrel. Yep. But it's when I do that in my spiritual life that I get distracted. In this passage, Jesus could have stopped and, and gotten distracted by the fact that this, this guy was trying to, to disturb or, or distract. But he understood what was going on. And he suddenly spoke to the Spirit and said, Stop. Get out. And it happened. Even though this person knew who Jesus was, his understanding of the purpose of Jesus' ministry wasn't clear. And he was just trying to to, I don't know if he was intentionally trying to cause problems, but the spirit that was in him was. I'm going to remind you of something early on. Jesus told his disciples that in the post-resurrection that we would have more power than even he did. We would be able to do even more things than he did. So can I challenge you not to sit back and just be weak but to claim the authority and the power that God has given you. Dana, the songs that you chose this week so far, so far, I know what the rest of them are. The songs that you have chosen this week are so amazing because it just reminds me of the power that, that, that God has given us and, and the love that God has for us and, and, and that we are something. So thank you for that. As followers, we must act according to God's will. We must act according to the will that God has given us. We begin to understand this will through the dis disciplines of Scripture. Praying and entering into accountable relationships. I think really the reason that we struggle on our journey, the reason many times it's not as easy as it could maybe be, is that we tend to believe as human beings we've got it under control. Now, I can speak for guys. I work with guys. I work with guys around the world. And one of the biggest issues that guys have is that they think that they're in control. But you know what? The more I'm around women, so do they. <laughs> and it's getting out of that place where, where we think that we're in the driver's seat. And allow God to be in that space. And how do we, how do we find that space? Where do we, where do we find that space? I believe it's when we go to Scripture. God has given us the Word of God as, as a ruler, as an instructional aid, if you would, speaking to us through Scripture. And, and I've said this, and I think it's been a long time ago, but I want you to hear it again. Scripture is living. Every time I read the Bible... It says something new to me. I could read the same passage three days in a row and I'm going to hear something usually a little bit differently because, because of where I am and, and where God is in my life. And It's important for us to, to listen as we read. Through prayer... Let me remind you again, prayer is not the wish list, it's not the toy list at Christmas time. Prayer is a conversation. It is us speaking to God and listening for God to speak back. And through accountable relationships with other Christians, being willing to be in a relationship and hear somebody say, you're going the wrong direction, and be willing to talk through it. 
We are called to build relationships. We're called to build relationships with God and with each other. And in doing this, we, we discern God's will for us much easier. But we also have a body of, of folk who are walking with us when our journey of following Christ gets difficult. I'm just looking at the, the folks that are here in the congregation, and, and there are so many of y'all that I remember calling, saying, I'm struggling. Help. I just need to hear your voice. I have a friend in Maryland who I talk to about once every two or three years. We email every so often, but I actually physically talk to them every two to three years now. But it's interesting, when we get together, it's like we never were apart because of that relationship that we have in Christ. But when they call me, I know I might as well settle back for a good hour, hour and a half conversation because they're looking for someone to walk along a hard time in their lives. So building relationships makes it easier for us when the journey of following me is not easy. Jesus went to people and said, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers. Kim last week talked a lot about that and what the Scripture said and, and talked about Jonah and how he didn't do that, but then did. <laughs> but one of the things that I constantly remember is that Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say it was going to be easy. <laughs> but he said, follow me. Implicit in that is that we must trust. For us to follow Jesus means that we must live our relationships with Christ and each other based upon trust. Now, when I chose this picture that, that you see right now, um, I have not developed that kind of trust yet. I'm just going to tell you. I see no logical reason to leave a perfectly good plane. <laughs> if it ain't on fire, if there's not massive amounts of smoke coming from the engine, if it's not doing a major nosedive, me and that plane are one. Just saying. Maybe someday I'll get to a trust like that. But not right now. But you know what? As I looked at that more, it became a metaphor for me. Because so many times in my life, in the hardest times of following Christ, I was doing a free fall. I was doing a free fall. Not a whole lot different than, than what these guys, these people are doing. And for a long time, I thought doing that free fall was actually kind of holding on to God and hoping God had my hand. But as I've looked back in my life, in, in some of the toughest times, the one I was talking to Jen about right now, uh, earlier, I'm sorry, when I was talking to Jen about earlier, when that was my, what I felt to be my original call into ministry, um, to step out and go a totally different direction than what I thought, understand what I just said, I thought was the way, um, that was hard. And I remember that day saying, God, if this is where you want me to go, then I'll go, but I'm not going to like it. But as I look back and I think, actually Christmas time I was reminded again, I have a Christmas tree ornament that one of my cousins, who's really more like my sister, gave me. And it was a hand plastic needlepoint ornament thing. Church. And she wrote me a six-page letter that went with that. And I've never forgot what that letter said. Part of it said, Rick, you are loved by God. 
God has a plan for your life. And someday I believe that that plan will lead you into ministry. But right now, you have to trust God that he has everything in control and that the journey you're about to take is part of the journey. I love you, but more importantly, God loves you. Fifteen years later, guess what? I'm a pastor. And all of that stuff that happened before as hard as it was because I knew what I wanted to do. God had a plan. And that plan was for me to, to take a journey that would lead me to a place where my ministry would benefit from what I had done. Sometimes our experiences feed into the next step of that journey of God's perfect plan of following me. I began to realize that I wasn't free-falling by myself. I wasn't free-falling with just me and God, but God had placed people in my life that were holding on to my hands as we free-fell, I guess is the word, <laughs> together. As I look back at it, it wasn't as necessarily as difficult as I thought it was. Actually, there were points in time that it was pretty good. Has God ever let you down? I didn't say, has it ever felt like God has let you down? But has God ever let you down? God is faithful. And, and the, when I feel like God has let me down, and, and folk, it, it happens. And if you tell me you've never felt that way, mm, what was the song? Fear is a... Yeah, there you are. You're lying to me. Because I think all of us sometime along our journey has felt like we were out there all by ourselves. God was nowhere. God's there. And when I felt that way, I always remembered something that one of my pastors said. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if God protected me then, God's protecting me now. And best news, God is going to protect me in the future. But as we take this journey, I want you to remember that there are other people watching us. Shelly, I did this one for you. I did this screen for you. I needed to have a cat for you. People are watching. People are watching how we react. People are watching how we act. And, and in 1 Corinthians, it, it talked about something as simple as, as eating food that has been given to idols. Jesus said there is no issue with doing that. It's not going to bring us closer to God. It's not going to push us further away from God. However, he said... Um, <coughs> excuse me. However, Paul said, if we do something that causes our brother or sister to fall, we have sinned. Our actions speak louder than our words. One of the biggest issues that we face as a society today. When I, when I read all of the research about what it is to, what people outside of the church, what millennials and Gen Zers are looking inside the church, the biggest complaint that they have about the church is not Christianity. These are people of faith. You need to know that. They have a faith. But what they are struggling with is that they're looking inside this building, this church that, that, that we have created around the world, and they're seeing people who are saying one thing but living a different thing. And that inconsistency 
is causing a problem. We should never cause someone to fall. Now, I'm going to. I know I'm going to. But if I know that I've done it, obviously I need to ask forgiveness from God. I also need to to have the intestinal fortitude, the guts, to go to that person and say, look, I didn't live the way that I should. You saw me in a place, in a a situation that I, I, I didn't, I shouldn't have been in. And I acted differently than what God has called me to be. I've acted differently than who I know I am, and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And walk with me. I did that one time when I was in healthcare. And the person who I went to and had that conversation with became one of my best friends. And they became one of my accountability partners. So I remember that day I looked at him and I said, You have seen me at my worst. I want, to, I want you to help me be at my best. And I invited them in to, to hold me accountable for my walk at the hospital, which is where it was. And I worked in a regional trauma center that could get absolutely crazy. Our journey is hard sometimes. So what do we do? What do we do when that journey that we enter on gets difficult? Well, we need to first remember that God has a plan for us. Sometimes it takes us to places that we may not want to go, but we need to go. The story I shared with Jen earlier was one of those such times. I didn't want to go down that road. I didn't want to not be a pastor. I wanted to go into ministry. I wanted to start at 21 or 18 or whatever age it was. I wanted to do it then, and and I knew that I knew best. It was difficult for me to hear that that God knew best for what I needed to do and, and where I needed to go. We also need to have a plan to understand that when we get to a place where we're struggling we have a next step. We need to have a person that we can go talk to. We need to have a prayer that we can pray. We need to to know that that when we feel this way, that's when we need to put a stop in our lives and, and go to God and be more intentional through Scripture, through prayer, through Christian conversation or accountable relationships. It may be tough, but God will provide. God will not, has not, and will never leave you. In the dark times of my life, I immediately go to a verse that is probably very, very familiar to you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For Thou, O Lord, are with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a place for me in the midst of my enemies. You anointest my head. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And ultimately, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. countless times on my journey in the middle of the night I have read that Scripture and I have lived that Scripture and I have held on to that Scripture with all of my life because I didn't know which way to turn. And God provided. Even in Tennessee it's happened.
as hard as I fought. As hard as I fought to, to be in the midst of, 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 not, of being in ministry, once I went into healthcare, I had a blast. I loved working in diagnostic radiology. I loved teaching diagnostic radiology. I loved doing the quality assurance and risk management aspects. But I also loved the money. It was good. And then God called. And God said, you need to be a pastor. And when I began to look at that, I I began to understand, now this was back in 1991, a a student pastor (coughs) was making $11,100 a year. I was making $65,000 as an x-ray tech. God, I don't want to go down this road anymore. (laughs) You were right. X-ray is good. There were many dark nights as I struggled with God's continual call in my life and, and how I had to answer but didn't want to. And the same cousin, my sister, called me one day and she went, I'm confused. You drove us crazy 12 years ago. You wanted to be a pastor. You wanted to do that. And now all of the doors are open. What is your problem? See, she could get away with that. I said, Darlene, it's the money. (laughs) I'm making it now. There's no way I can make it on what I'm going to get. She looked at me with a big old smile. She said, so what you're telling me is is that you no longer believe that God is going to provide for you. That's not what I said. She went, that's exactly what you said. You see the positive aspect of having someone you're willing to be accountable with can be? They'll call out your lies. They'll call out your inconsistencies and they'll hold you to it. And I just looked at her and I smiled and I said, I don't know what to do. To do what God's called you to do. God has had a plan and continues to have a plan for you. So I became a pastor. I have never had need God has provided. Sometimes at the very last moment, but but God has always provided. Six years ago, I was very comfortable in what was going to be my retirement church. In my 50s, retiring, that was good. It was a gorgeous church in the state of Delaware that's going to get a bunch of snow tonight called Ebenezer. Ebenezer is one of the most amazing churches I've ever been in. All of my churches were great, but this one was amazing. They welcomed and did ministry in ways, uh, in some ways, very similar to what Good Shepherd does. And I got to be the senior pastor with a staff of 20 Life was good. And 12 months into that, give or take a little bit, maybe nine, ten months into it, I got a phone call from one of my friends who happened to be a retired bishop. And she said, ten years ago, you and I, this is my second or third year in ministry, you and I had a conversation. Do you remember? Bishop, I don't remember yesterday. (laughs) She went, well, I remember. You told me about the dreams of what your ministry could look like. And there's a position that's opening up in Nashville at the General Commission on United Methodist Men. And I think you need to apply for that. Bishop, I just got into a church that I'm going to retire and I'm happy. She went, you need to listen to God. You need to follow God's call. 
It's not going to be easy, she said, exact words, but you need to listen and do it. So in two or three days, and I didn't do anything, she called me back and she said, do I need to come there and sit until you finish? No, Bishop, I will do it today. So I did all of the work, not expecting to be even offered an interview, let alone the job. And obviously, I'm preaching today in Tennessee, so you know what happened, right? I have never been happier in my life as to where God has me and what God has me doing. It's not easy. Sometimes they drive you crazy. But God's there. It's amazing to think that God has a plan for you. But it's even more amazing to understand that not only does God have a plan for you, but he has created you for it and he has placed you in the place that you need to be to live in it. So my friends, trust the call. And trust the provision that God has for you. Fear is a liar. God is there. Through the hard times, through the joys, God will never leave. Just as Jesus, as Kim read last week, and I think it was Mark, the early part of Mark, called those fishermen to follow, he calls us, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. He didn't say it's going to be easy. But he still said, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men, of people. I have a plan for you, God says. Follow me. Would you please stand with me as we read uh, this morning's Psalm 111? <clears throat> Excuse me. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart and the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of honor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has gained renown by his wonderful deeds. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He is ever mindful of his covenant. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have good understanding. His praise endures forever. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
talking is that the journey is not going to be easy, and that's what this song depicts. So you take something beautiful like grapes, and then that thing is completely destroyed. But then comes another beautiful creation, wine. And so that's what God is doing to us. He's getting rid of that old stuff. And sometimes the person we were completely goes away and we are made completely new. In the crushing, in the pressing, Trust you, I don't 
lift up your prayer. Jesus would bring new wine out of each of us. As we live into God's call, as we live into God's purpose in our lives, understanding it's not going to be easy, but God will bring us through it. So go forth, my friends, replenished by the grace and mercy of God, blessed by the healing love of Jesus and energized by the limitless limitless power of the Holy Spirit. Go forth on the journey that God has for you. Go forth with the assurance that God is with you. Go forth with the assurance that you are called by God to live out a plan in this world to be Christ's hands and feet, to be Christ's light in all that you do. So go forth in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I yield to you to